Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to my first ever episode of Rook on the Radio. Uh, it is an interview-style podcast where I will interview friends, people I know, anybody who wants to be on about something they are passionate about or something they really enjoy doing. So that being said, if you want to be a guest on Rook on the Radio, please email me at rookontheradio at gmail.com. That's R-O-O-K on the radio at gmail.com. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the first podcast. And we're going to wipe the hard drive really quick. <laughs> no reason. Just feel like it's time to clean up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, who, who, who's to say who's it's not my say? right to get rid of it all? Who's to say? Flesh? My favorite thing about incognito mode is like, it's literally like, I can't think of another purpose to want to use incognito mode except maybe engagement or like like gift shopping so no one can check the history. Yeah. Like maybe that. Like if you're going to go buy an um, engagement ring. Yeah, that's another Probably do it one. on yeah. incognito mode. But like, a friend of mine actually went through her fiance's or boyfriend at the time emails uh, and found out he was shopping for an engagement ring. And they called me and they're like, "I just ruined it for myself. Why did I do that?" I was like, "Because because you're because you're because you went looking for it. You don't get to be mad now. I'm yeah. sorry, you don't." Anyway. She was like, "Why did I ruin this for myself?" I was like, "Because you can't not know things." The only instance where that, like, in in terms of gift giving, if you go looking. You don't get to have any negative emotions on the outcome because, like, you ruined the whole problem yeah. by going and doing yeah, it. It's like, absolutely. come on, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Start a cut out. What are you doing, you silly goose? You silly goose. Why don't you get back in the pond, you little silly goose? Why don't you go back in the pond, you little silly goose? My favorite phrase. Yeah, I need I need to work it more into my day. It's fantastic. I really do. All righty, everyone. Welcome to Get Rook on the Radio. Joining me today is a longtime friend. I don't know if this is going to be the first episode. I really have no idea. Who knows? But we're all we're all feeling this out with me today. We have my friend Tyler on Hello. the show. He is a longtime friend, over eight, nine, ten years now. It's almost like well, since I think it's that, almost. 10. I was thirteen, so twelve. Yeah, I started D at thirteen because that's when you start yeah. high school, right? Uh-huh. And then I'm twenty-five now. If I carry the one, that's twelve. Ah, fantastic. Twelve years. Almost a dirty dozen we've known each other. We are a dirty um, dozen. <laughs> but two of us together make 12. Because math. Yeah. I, I was a comms major. I majored in broadcasting. <laughs> I don't know how to do math. And that's the joke I always say is like, oh, you, you, you don't know how to do math? Like, no, I majored in comms. I don't, I don't need to do that. want to talk to people. Will. I don't need to do that. I just want to talk to people. I'm charismatic. I don't which, need your arithmetic. Get out of here. Which is the point of Get Brendan on the radio. I'm going to explain the show real quick. So every every episode, I try to get a different guest. Could be one of my friends. Could be someone else's friends. Could mm-hmm. be you. Could be uh, your mom. We don't know. We don't know. I don't know what's going to go on here. Uh but the the objective of this show is to give people that chance to showcase what they know, something they're passionate about, something they really enjoy talking about, and the objective is to get them talking about it. Mm-hmm. So, Tyler, we brainstormed for a little bit about what we could have you talk about, and I think we ended up on stand-up. No, oh, yeah. A little so, on the nose, but still a good one, nonetheless. I mean, hey, we gotta do what we gotta do. And before we get started, I'm gonna take this pop, this lit of my shaker bottle... 
because I would be unpopping it the whole time while yeah, we were like, talking, and I don't want to be that obnoxious, but I do need some water. I do like so. the I, I did like the hindsight. You're just like, you know what? I'm just gonna hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm gonna make sure I pop this shit now. Pop it, <laughs> pop it early, and pop lock it, drop it. Mm, as you I do didn't. with water. <laughs> as you do with water, you pop lock it and drop it into your gullet. <laughs> so I'm gonna start off with asking the question: Do you think you're funny? I apparently so is my answer now because I feel like. Um, it's one of those ones where, like, I feel like if you, if it's it's hard because you is when you want to say you're funny, you have to be a certain amount of things, and I feel like there are people that are like, yeah, I'm funny, and they can make that work, but if I were to tell people at a party, like, hey, I'm funny, they go like, prove it, you know what I mean? So that's why I, I always say apparently so, so it's like, it's like pseudo humble, but really no, yeah, I like I, really it's com- being funny is the only thing I'm actually confident about in my in my life. Anything else beyond the act of being funny. I am. Ve- I have serious self doubt about in my life. It's the only thing. Like, yeah, funny. Yeah, that that. Can I? Do I know what a mortgage is? Ah, kinda. I don't know. <laughs> I really have no idea. I'm mediocre at driving. Um, social skills are okay. The only thing I excel at is p- potentially comedy. And anyone who's known me for more than thirty minutes goes like, yeah, that's his thing. That's his only quality. <laughs> it's not your only quality. <laughs> yeah, I can it's, bake. It's I guess. a large quality. It's a. It's it's like it's, it's a, good though. It's good. Yeah. Because you know what you uh, as long as I've known you, you usually bring brevity to a situation. You've got a joke. You've got something fun to say, which always is something I, I like, because when I have nothing to say, I will. you have something yeah, to yeah. say, <laughs> which is great, because sometimes I'm at a loss for words. And, and I hate silence. In comedy, so, especially yeah. when, we, when we write together. It's mm-hmm. always like very much... Um, I feel more like a sounding board for a lot of your stuff. Because mm-hmm, yeah. Not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. I think that it's like... You have so many ideas and so many jokes to a, a certain, like, when we write something, we'll be like, joke, 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 All right, we got to figure out what's a good what one. What sticks, yeah. Throw yeah, it the and wall. It, it's, it's very much like, I don't feel like you do majority of the work, but I feel like a lot of a lot of the stuff I come up with stems from a something you said where I my brain then takes it somewhere else. No, so yeah, it's like, I, I, yeah, I always think yeah. you're very talented in coming up with, like, things to say and, like, how to say things is very... Very yeah. good skill. Being clear and be like, here's my thing. I don't think anyone in my life will ever call me succinct, but I think they'll, you know what I mean? Because it's like in terms, I, but I think accurate is probably one of the things I can claim just because I feel like a lot of my comedy comes from that, like hyper-specific visuals yeah. or like analogies. And like I, like a lot of my stuff's like ridiculous, but you still like think it and go like, oh, well, he's not wrong. You know, at least not like even to say like I'm always right, but it's like when I'm talking about comedy, my phone will now be silenced. I was Lulz. like, well, was that my board? That's actually my fart. I fart a, a nice fart dome a nice sound ting. from the good place when Janet appears. Um, but no, yeah. Is that I, what that is? Yeah, it is 100% mm-hmm. what that is. But Shout no, out yeah. to the good place. It's a great show. Uh, but no, yeah, like, uh, I lost it. Well, it was, uh, right? Oh my yeah, God. no, you it's both, really difficult. Because that, that ding, I was like, what's the ding, That on? ding took us you, to a different were, dimension. You were talking about how... Um, I've forgotten. I know. I I've think it was just like uh, in general, like when it comes to. Oh, you were saying you uh, hyper-specific details. Yeah, hyper-specific details. The, the, the funnies and the details is definitely something I think about because like a joke is a joke. Anyone can write the same joke talking about one thing. Only you can make it sound like oh Tyler said that, and I kind of feel like my trademark is like someone goes like that sounds like something Tyler would say, and I feel like that's a fun little niche. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's good to have like uh, a specific. Th- sort of trademark yeah, like thing when, about like you. Yeah, like when we did Do You Take, there were, like, co-workers, like, went to it and were like, I, I, there were moments where we were like, 
Yeah, that was Tyler. Because I made it clear. It was like, yeah, it's 50-50, me and my buddy Connor. But people went like, oh, yeah, I could tell the jokes that Connor wrote, and I could tell the jokes. I was like, yeah, it's Tyler. <laughs> yeah. I definitely, I, I heard a lot of that writing process. But I also. The shouting. I just, just <clears throat> constant shouting when I was trying to sleep, which is really funny in hindsight. But I remember walking out and being like, can you guys I'm shut the fuck you. up no, for yeah. five minutes? I need to go to bed because I work. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally just like the, the funniest shit ever because me and Connor will just be like, and it's so funny because like two hours of shouting will be like two lines. Like that we're just like, oh, yeah. like these yeah. lines. Can it's, confirm. It's it's straight up so funny. But I love that that part of comedy about how like it can constantly evolve. And he's like, we can go better. We could be funnier. We can make this stupid more. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I always think that there's... You have to workshop, especially when you're writing oh, yeah. writing anything, really. Like with stand-up specifically, workshopping is like the part that no one thinks about. Like I feel like that's the part that uh, separates the people, be- the people between like uh, who want to try it and do open mics and really get good at it, and the people that were told in the locker room, like, dude, you should go up there. Like there's dude, like there's should... those two categories. I don't know why they're from Brooklyn. Dude, you're funny. You should go up there and tell jokes. <laughs> but like, yeah, because like there's so many times where like you go up. Uh, what there... am I gonna tell jokes about? I don't know the stuff we do in the locker room, like being beating a... up freshmen, <laughs> being being a guy from Brooklyn, apparently. But like, no, like I, that's like what that it's like the, the you workshopping jokes is like the worst and best part of it because there's times where like I'll come up with something and I'll be like, this is great, and I have to watch it like die multiple times before it finally gets like a little bit of a hiccup in an audience, and then I think about like, okay, what caused that hiccup in the ocean of silence that I was like getting for like three weeks straight and then some people will go up there and go like yo this killed in the locker room we're just gonna stick with the locker room uh, I was like this killed in the locker room and they take it up there at a bar where like you know the jukebox is louder than he is and he goes like mm-hmm. I forget it uh, like that's yeah. like that. there's a lot of that there's something very true I've heard you you, you have very persistent about comedy You've uh, you got to be. Yeah, yeah, you do. And I remember there are times you're like, I'm not doing it. I'm quitting. I like, yeah, right. I'm, I'm quitting. I'm quitting comedy. I've and quit I was like, like four times. okay. <laughs> Every time you, you text me that or say something like that, I just go, okay. All right, all right, fine. And I know this it's not going to stick for a little while. Well, that's, yeah, it's because it's so funny because like, you're yeah. so, it's something, even if you do a couple of bad sets, it's something you're still very good at. Well, because it's so important. You have to yeah. be so good at just like sucking for a long time. It just sucks when like the sucking a long time and stand up coincides with other parts of your life that are currently not doing spectacular so you're mm-hmm. kind of just like i can't do both and, and then uh you get those moments that you're talking about where i call you and i'm just like three scotches in at 2 a.m going i'm done bro i'm over you hear the thing <laughs> and it's like yeah but like but, but but bombing is like honestly sometimes great because like once you get over the whole like I'm saying stuff to no response, that weird stage fright from the school play kind of energy. That's like a nightmare come true. Once you experience it a couple, t- a couple times, it kind of just becomes a flared, flayed nerve. Mm-hmm. And like after a while, like when you start to bomb, you're like, all right, this is what we're doing. And you'll just start either improvising or throwing trash out there. Because at the end of the day, if you do have the worst set in the universe, if the last thing you have is like, well, I got a little bit more comfortable up there, then that's a plus. That's a win. That's a mm-hmm. penny in the jar for what you're supposed to be doing. Because your entire journey of stand up through open mics and through whatever you can do is just you getting so comfortable on that stage you can just do you because there's no rules or standards or like bylines that you have to do to be funny and stand up it's too abstract of a thing for you for there to be like you know very rigid rules there's comedies comedians from different 
styles and genres and everything. So the only thing that still makes consistent is all those people are very comfortable up there and yeah. they're able to bring whatever random, you know, amalgamation of stuff that they are to the table. You know, like if you look at John Mulaney, you hear a lot of Carlin and that's what made him take the stage until he got so more confident through being inspired by Carlin and other people, uh, of course, obviously, and he that yeah, he was Carlin's like, a huge, huge inspiration, inspiration for, for him. You. Once he got so comfortable, he was and you just, as well. Hey, oh, one hundred percent. I love that. I, Class Clowns is something I put on monthly. But yeah, like, you have the vinyl. Yeah, I have it. It's one of my prized possessions. <laughs> I love it. And but like, yeah, even Mulaney after he got comfortable enough, he kind of he became John Mulaney. So it's like, it's all about willing. To become comfortable in a very uncomfortable process. Yeah. That stand up. I feel the same way with, you know, when I would even play guitar. I've been playing guitar for 12, 13 years now, and every time I get up on stage, I'm always like, Hi, I'm Brendan. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I would. I, I can't even imagine. Yeah, I, I, especially when I do. I've tried stand up, I've done it a few times. Yeah. I'm not bad at it, but I'm You've by no means good. Yeah, I feel more comfortable going up and talking and telling jokes than I ever do with my guitar. And I'm yeah. better at playing guitar. <laughs> right? It's insane. Like, it's... I am so much better at playing guitar than I am doing stand-up, and I'm not a great guitar player. Well, I think it just stems from because you already have such built-in co- uh, comfortability. So much, yeah, you know? I'm just so much less nervous when I'm on stage holding a microphone talking to somebody. And I was like, oh, I could do, if I was, if it was a choice between like doing music professionally doing stand-up professionally i'd be more comfortable doing stand-up professionally so it's also the most validating type of performance there <laughs> can be besides solo like guitaring because it's all just really like you up there it's just you baby like there's no there's no like when you're a stand-up a good one at least you're not like uh you're not like reciting something that someone wrote for you to perform it's all you like you wrote that on a napkin when yeah. it hit you in a diner and then you brought it someplace made it your own with your own pacing and timing and words no director told you how to say it no director said go faster or slower that was all you it's 100 percent you and that's so nice because you know obviously in c- the creative world it's a collaborative beast yeah in most facets obviously but when so, it's a solo project it's so nice it's so satisfying to be like oh i yeah. did all of this and i got i reap all the benefits and that but that also kind of like you know it breeds a lot of that uh also like a lot of some like negative point of views where it's like because if you start in stand-up you you kind of have a very like loner isolated way of approaching your own stuff so it's like you're kind of just only looking at your stuff through your own eyes while like i was really lucky to like kind of get a lot of theater legs under me before i did stand up because like when i did stand up and pe- and like com you know comics would come up to me and like give me tags or like say like that was really funny and tell me stuff i would be instead of being like hey man it's my joke back off i would always be like oh damn that's really funny cuz i've had years and years of of directors going you know be better this and i go like oh other person yeah. that's awesome <laughs> i was just about to say like you you started theater at d at 13 before yeah. you went up on stage for stand-up right by about four years yeah, yeah. so you like i was gonna say you've had plenty of people tell you like what about this and what about that and, and yeah it I makes think, you think I about think, it yeah. do you think um our old theater director fitzy do you think he had uh, some play in that with like oh, his yeah. with because he's he's funny he's hilarious he's, he's a he's a hilarious guy and when he's listening to this I hope he blushes right now in his pale Irish face he's just <laughs> big, big big blushing red cheeks I hope oh, so oh yeah shout out to Fitzy Fitzy G um, he was absolutely one of my favorite I think he was my favorite director I've had three I mean excluding Jonathan <laughs> he's on a different plane he's on a different plane <laughs> but like in terms of like people that help like me academic uh, get comfortable. Yeah. 
on stage, Fitzy was definitely one of those people that I was really like, he just got something out of me. And I think he, especially for that Abbott and Costello bit, he got oh, something yeah. out of the both of us. He, that like by, really, especially by switching He us, just yeah. ripped some great performances out of people. Like, I, I'm bragging about him for just a second. That's fine. Uh, I'm, I got did, some in my pocket, we too. We did Our Town mm-hmm. by Thornton Wilder, which is a good, a good, good show. Very good, very sad. <laughs> um, because there's that, that final scene, um, her speech to the audience, essentially. Um we couldn't get the lead actress to like show enough emotion. She was doing great, but it was just like when it's a he thick didn't piece of line. He, did, yeah. he was like, "I know you can do more. I know you can give me everything." And opening night, um, he, you know, we went out, we did our thing, and she did an excellent. Just the, the tears were real. The audience was in tears. I was crying, and I heard the speech like fifty times at that point, and it just went so well so well and i remember him being like that's what i wanted out of it like it was it was just perfect and i think he had a way of just telling people like and molding people to be like this is what you need to be for this role but also yeah. giving you the space to be like what do you think and i was so thankful that he was a high school teacher that like because in college when you're getting like a theater professor you're getting a professor in theater mm-hmm. doing theater stuff him he's an english <clears throat> teacher doing theater stuff so like you kind of get an english teacher approach to a lot of the things yeah. he's trying to do like literary analysis like for instance he was the one of the he was the first director to kind of go like to be like to be doing a funny script with me seeing me memorize a line delivering a line without a script in my hand and go up to me and go like hey what's the joke here and i'm like oh wait it made me go like that like oh yeah this is the joke and that actually now that i figured that out that line before is a setup to that oh snap it's almost like there's a structure yeah. and you know like he was the first person to make me do that because li- that literary stuff is just kind of like locked absolutely. in absolutely so that was very nice and very good too so do you think that plays a part in your oh, heck yeah. joke uh joke crafting oh yeah you look at it and you kind of like for instance like text analysis was something that also came into which which like i said what i just talked about was kind of like baby text analysis like the baby steps you take to kind of go like yeah there's a joke here kiddo uh, and then you go to college and then there's like a lot of text analysis stuff like in uh classes like uh modern drama and you look at that and then that that is those two things coalesced into how like when i'm writing a joke and i'm a i'm a long-winded dude so like i gotta write them out and then i bold laugh lines and then i look at it and go like this can be 40 words shorter mm-hmm. and then i slice it down and that just comes down from how like because also like script writing was something I did probably in tandem when I started joke writing because I did theater for like three years then I was like I want to write some of these my own and then stand up started to become a thing on my radar so I was like writing jokes and plays at the same time what's what's your method for writing jokes well I mean so like like, how do you how do you start well it all starts just kind of like because of the way I feel like a lot of jokes for comics are just like a comic having a thought and it's 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 put through that funny comedian writing mind and then like really I think I make myself laugh and then I find a way to package it in a way where i can deliver that to another person really that's like in the most plainest terms like i'll like for instance i made myself laugh the other day by going like uh i was like like a pregnant supermodel i was fashionably late and i was just trying to make like a noir like because i think it was i was watching like a noir spoof of something and i said that and i was like that's pretty funny and i was like that's also like a pretty much a one-liner let me write that down and like and then i also thought like my biggest joke i at everyone knows that i tell because it's the one i've recorded the most is like the trojan horse and the trojan horse is just whatever it's something like that's been spoofed and maybe talked about but like i think it's hysterical 
And yeah. my whole joke writing process is just going like, how can I convince other people that this is as hysterical as I think it is? And that just really is how it breaks down. And then I, you know, vomit on a page, get rid of 50 words, read it again, realize some jokes aren't worth it, save myself 20 more words. Mm-hmm. And then I have a nice, like, little package deal. Yeah. I think, now, what's... What's your process for script writing if you're doing comedy? That one is, oh gosh, the one that I'm trying to flex a lot more because the scales have definitely tipped in that regard. And and it turns in like scripts, it comes with like a dumb premise, right? And I've done this since high school and it wasn't until after high school I started getting the actual drive to like write actual endings to them and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like I would come up with this idea that's like dumb, like one of the earliest ones that started in high school and then got revitalized for Second City was uh, Why Are You Singing? Which was like, I saw the Scrubs episode where like a woman has a brain aneurysm and that's why she sees singing and that's the reason. Mm-hmm. And I liked that because Scrubs is one of my favorite shows and I like how they just easily wrote in that. And then I came up with a couple of uh, funny song ideas that I was like, what's the what's the reason they do it? And I was thinking like, it'd be just kind of funny if it was just like an experimental medication or like, and he was just taking it and he was just like, okay, that's why you're seeing singing. And then once I wrote that, I didn't know how to write music at all. So I just wrote the scenes in between them, <laughs> which were just funny. Like, how da 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 that sounds like a song because, and then I, uh, we got, I started doing 24 hour theater festival at Lewis which was always cool because every year I managed to always have a collaborator, which is probably one of the most fortuitous things that have ever happened to me, I think, as a creative, just because me having a partner every year of the 24-hour to write with really did help my ability at writing with another person and always kind of like realizing that like this script is something that I want to do but it's not something that's going to be 100% what I want in my head at the end. And, and But what's more is it's probably going to be 100% one hundred times better if it's not at all. You know, like right now, if this is one hundred percent what I want, at best it's a B minus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the real revelation that I was luckily able to unlock by writing with other people and then writing with you and Connor for Second City is like you could do something perfectly right in your head, like just absolute taskmaster micromanage and do everything right. And you're still probably going to get something that's mediocre at best because it's only one talent looking at it. Yeah, it's it, also like the your. It all plays out okay in your head because you're the one who understands it. Yeah, exactly. It's coming from you. So if you're like, oh, I get this yeah, you'd joke. you'd love this play. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, you'd you... love this play, but what everyone else. And it, it's I, I learned the same thing in writing with you for um, our play that has not gone on yet. Yeah, you're on. No, you're yeah. on. The it, show that was destroyed by COVID. Yeah, I'm so sad. It's a still a nice show to have in the pocket, and because of its absurdist qualities, it could just get re- retrofitted to a different space to be more and more bonkers and better. So yeah. That's why I love it. I'm fine with Hard not to keep even. Absurdist I'm down. fine with not even doing it where we were supposed to do it. Like, oh, I don't if think we, we are, found. Yeah. yeah, if we find another venue that it fits our criteria and we can afford why not frankly we can I, branch out to other venues because then if we can get yeah, bigger more crowds seats, more yeah. seats more money which right now is such a taboo thing to talk about like public yeah. gatherings what, what was another thing that is good about that is it, that, that that script has so much more room for farcical nonsense if we just have an extra two feet on the on the stage size and we could get that most places mm-hmm. more but either way like yeah like script writing is that's one of the things that I feel uh is is terrific about 
going from like script writing to like stand up is like I'll write script writing and I'll see this like collaboration with someone it'll be great and then I'll just go do stand up and just be like ah I get to fail on my own merit <laughs> and it feels great cause I, that's like the thing about stand up that I feel <laughs> is the best and worst part is like you're gonna be humbled so freaking hard mm-hmm. the entire process like every like it's it's like that's one of my favorite things about the the show Marvelous Miss Maisel was it was like one of the first times like a, a stand up show showed bombing what it actually is which is just a real time panic attack and a mm-hmm. thing that makes you want to quit yeah. right away like you literally just want to like run outside and be like I'm never coming back you'll never see me but then like you go then you like if you're lucky and you're at the right mic a comic will go up to you and be like ah oh, man that sucks but hey maybe next time it'll be better and but realize that happens to everybody yeah like i hope that at the end of my career of comedy i have more bombs behind me than victories because that just means those victories are that much more sweeter yeah it's like the the saying um when someone starts hating on your work you know you've made it yeah exactly yeah. right it's yeah, like, and i hate my stuff so i already made yeah, it apparently I've, <laughs> i remember when we, remember when we released uh station radio theater on apple Podcasts, and somebody wrote like oh the jokes we saw the jokes coming like this 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 and i was just i framed it i screenshot it I was right. like hey look ma i made it like, i really think we should have like what we should have done is we should have screened we took a do you still have the picture of it Oh God, no! I can find it. If though, you could sure. find it, you need to send it to our friend Annie because she could monogram that on a pillow, probably. That'd be I hilarious. think that'd be terrific. That'd be I would hilarious. love to sleep on that every night. We'll definitely <laughs> talk to her about it. Cry but, into it when I'm feeling sad. Dude, I I seriously remember when I was like at a bar downtown, a bar that I can't even remember the name because I was probably like 20. I was at Lewis mm-hmm. <laughs> and I like took a train and like a dude threw a bottle at me. It was one of those like meth head plug bars <laughs> where like you're where like you can't see the audience, but like at all and like the like the, the ceilings like dipping and you're like I better get out of here yeah and like you do perform that and a guy like threw a bottle at the stage and I remember going to the bathroom and finding a piece of glass in my face oh my god and going like hey look my made it blood going down my cheek nothing better than it's like the Blues Brothers when they start throwing beer bottles <laughs> it's it's yeah it's but like my I'm not gonna pretend like uh, I would love for someone to throw a beer bottle you catch it and spin it right back at him like, and then you'd be like and then your head you'd be like okay you used all of your cool luck in that one instance you're never gonna be cooler than just now uh but Mm. yeah like no i remember um the first time i ever got like i didn't write this beforehand laugh like the kind of like the like i said like the whole journey is just comfortability and like no it doesn't matter how scripted you are you're still gonna want to be able to have that ability of being unflappable as absolutely possible because nothing deflates a comedian's energy to make people laugh more than them being like fucked up with yeah. that's why hecklers are always trying to make them look like an idiot and if that's why the like number one best moves to handle hecklers is to ignore them maybe they'll go away at first mm-hmm. but then when it gets to a point you either directly address them or be way more clever than them yeah <laughs> Uh, like I saw, uh, Aunt, oh my God, Anthony Jeselnik, like some guy was shooting, shouting at him, right? And he just goes like, I remember my first beer and the audience just exploded mm. and the guy never talked again. And I was just like, that's how you do it. Yeah. Uh, Christopher what's Titan. your, what's <laughs> your favorite heckler moment you've ever done? I saw it live. It was, uh, no, two, no, no, you personally, oh, that me? you've ever had to there handle was this a one heckler. drunk who was talking about, I think, I don't even know what I was talking about. I was talking about like VHSs or some mm-hmm. shit. No, I think I was just talking about porn, you know, cause that's just what you talk about when, when you're, when it's like really late and you're out of material but you still have three minutes and you're like mm-hmm. let's talk about porn a little bit a little bit I think I was talking about how like it's weird if it's, it'd be weird to be like a pro, a proud porn dad yeah you know like you have the bumper sticker I don't know and that was the joke and like the guy uh, just goes like porn and I was like 
Yeah, because he just shouted it, you know, and I was just like, yeah, man. And I thought, like, I think I can still make this funny just like, by addressing someone going porn. And you know, mm. yeah, <laughs> I thought that was funny. And then he goes like, what's that? And I was like, look at your mom's dresser. And he was like, okay. And I was like, let me know. And, and then like nice. it blew up and I was like, Whew. it was the equivalent of like when Neo dodges the bullets in Matrix, but he doesn't know how yet. He just did it. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. exactly like that. Nice. Um, I'm going to wrap up in just a few minutes. Totally. What's your, what is the joke? You don't have to tell it. You can, uh, I guess. What's your favorite onstage moment that you've ever had? Like stand up, theater, anything. Oh, in, including theater? Yeah, why not? Hmm. We'll do favorite stand-up and favorite theater. Favorite, well, favorite, I'll make it easy. Favorite stand-up, I think one of my favorite moments uh, was... Uh, yeah, this is. I was just. I was performing, and like the mic cable fell out of my out of the mic, like it is, and it fell, and uh, it which sucks because like it's like a tiny room, but like you can definitely notice when that happens. Like I kind of go from like, so yeah, I'm talking about, and I'm talking about. So what I did was I was really close to a punchline, so I stopped right when it like plopped without even looking at it, just bloop, and just. Blah, blah. And started shouting louder mm-hmm. as if to, just to go through, and then the joke landed, but also it had the extra spice of me pushing through it. Yeah, yeah. And then like, and then I went like, "This is fine," and I didn't perform with the mic for the rest of it because I really didn't have to. Yeah. But that was that, and that was just was really that ash. Oh, f- uh, yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah, you can sh- you, you can, can talk at a low yeah. roar, yeah. And you'll be fine. <laughs> Very much, especially, and that's the thing I really liked about it was the fact that I could be heard meant that it was like quiet yeah. and they were listening, which is like the number one thing for both theater and stand up is like you got to keep the audience from coughing. Yeah, which is a very good phrase that I like to think about because it's like, yeah, like you've been because it makes you think about the time where like you're at a movie and like let's say it's like a it's like a winter month and you're like oh, and you're like oh god Tom Hanks is talking you know you're like it's like mm-hmm. that in terms of theater my favorite theater moment uh, was in uh, Night of the Living Dead I was doing it for a Welcome Days event and I was just the douchebag character because it was like a spoof. Like, like stage performance mm-hmm. of Dawn of the Dead so I was like a modern douche who has like a Prius and that was my joke yeah. and I was just like a side I was just like I'm like a side character and I was having a lot of fun with it and like the lead uh, goofed one of the exits by like saying the exit like 20 minutes later where they're like getting a Molotov cocktail ready which was like does this a super jump yeah. but, like he had so many damn lines where like you know I don't blame him but like right when they're about to exit and go like ah oh, fuck I guess we're about to do a 20 minute jump I went wait don't we gotta do that other thing first and I saw the realization on his face, and he went, "You're right, man. Thank you." And then we just went on as usual. It's pretty just great. Like, <laughs> what was that? What was that in 24 hour? Uh, no, that was just like welcome days. Like they oh, had okay. us. They had us move in like two weeks early. It was a. Uh, it was Tim Thull. I loved Tim Thull to death. <laughs> he was just. He just looked at me like, "Oh, uh, oh I love recovery right. moments because they're just like the best." <laughs> yeah, I remember on that topic at a Lewis show. I was in 44, and Ooh. in. <laughs> I was uh, the, I can't remember what president it was. He was nicknamed the Indian Killer, and that sounds like I Roosevelt. had all these balloons, oh, wait, red no. balloons, all over the stage, and I had a Bowie knife. Oh my god! Was, it was a plastic Bowie knife, but it was sharp enough for me to pop balloons with. I really wish you had <laughs> seen this fine show. I really line. wish you had seen this show because but it was such a good. I've show. always heard great stories. And about I it. pop, 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 and I get up and I throw the knife. And like I'd done it two shows before, so I knew I could pop the balloon by throwing the knife. And I threw it, and it glanced off and hit another balloon. And I was like, ha! 
gotcha. And then I walked over and like slit the balloon's throat. I was like, still gotcha. Oh my God. It was a really, really good, like that play, if anybody can ever see 44 plays, like I said, it'd be 45 if they revamp it. Um, yeah, we can just stop at 44. We can stop at 40. We can jump just, to 40, 46. Honestly, let's just, like, uh, let's just stop like pretending the president's important for like, yeah. a little bit. But if anyone does get the chance to ever go see the show, it's absolutely phenomenal. I think we were, we were part of a national uh, theater Was it ACTF? Thing. No, uh, it was... Oh. I don't know if it was ACTF, but it was like... Um, only 44 schools across the country oh. got to submit one president video. Oh. It was 44 schools were allowed to do it, and each school got to do one president. And you know who was our video submission? Uh, who you? Brian Lochner is oh. Taft. Yeah, because he's in the fat it's suit, right? hilarious. Oh, yeah. And I want to find. I want to try to find the video. You know he has a copy of that I'm stuff sure he does. Right? I have to reach out to him. But, Definitely. Um, he would be also be a great was... person to have on here as well, mostly oh, just because so, yeah. he could talk editing for days. Yeah. I On that note, we're oh, going to yes. wrap up. Totally. Uh, if you have anything, anyone you, any handles you'd like them to follow, please no, shout yeah, right. some uh, out. I guess uh, SenjaninT at Twitter, S-E-N-J-A-N-I-N-T at Twitter. And that's pretty much it. Uh, stay tuned, Radio Theater on Spotify. Yes, check it out. Yes, check out Station Radio Theater on Spotify. That is Tyler and Mai's little love baby. It's sketch comedy in radio format. We try. So <laughs> we write the sketches, we record them with ourselves other talented actors that we have in our repertoire and all the foley effects as much as we can get done are done in studio in house so i don't outsource any sound effects unless i can't really can't make one but other than that like an explosion or something check it out on spotify our new we revamped season one so they will be releasing episodes every two weeks depending on when this one's out you might see season two but that wraps up get rook on the radio if you have any things you want me to talk about any shout outs or want to be on the show we can social distance record uh just email rook at the radio rook on the radio.com oh my god i'm messing this up so bad Take two. i'm not even going to edit that part just so i won't Leave be able in. to see i'm so stupid the penance it's rook on the radio at gmail.com r-o-o-k on the radio at gmail.com please give your boy an email I want to hear from y'all. I miss y'all. I love y'all.